Hello, this is Matt Hale bringing you another show of Art Monthly's talk show. That's Art Monthly's talk programme on Resonance 104.4 FM. And I'm joined today by Paul O'Kane, um, who's a writer and teacher and artist. Paul, that's all right, isn't it? Lecturer, I think the word is probably. But you do teach when you lecture, don't you? Um, and we're basically going to discuss a feature he has in the current issue of Art Monthly, December, January's 2013-14 issue, which covers, it's a double month issue, obviously, number 372, just for those of you who want to actually find it afterwards, because what we would love you to do is listen to the programme and be encouraged from what you hear, but also want to read the piece that we're actually going to be talking from. We're also going to probably bring in a couple of other pieces which are in the magazine as well. Um, one is by Francis Freshina called Scream and Scream Again, and also a piece which is an interview with Dan Vo and Jennifer Thatcher. And and it, we may not, but that was the sort of thought we had prior to the coming on the programme, because they happen to be in the same issue, but they they relate in, in perhaps their approach to certain aspects, including um, romanticism. But we, we, we're not meaning to jump the gun there. I mean, we're, we're going to possibly bring that up during Paul's um, piece. But to begin with, Paul, um, I'll try to ask you a question which because I th what I want the what I want us to do because we've got a bit of time is to try and actually not pick apart your piece in a critical sense at all but sort of ex get you to explain and expand on some parts um you begin particularly really what you're saying I mean I understand the whole piece is to do and dealing with what I thought was a rereading or 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 a changing of the definition of democracy i.e. not you changing what it means but it's it's changing so democracy is changing or being changed um and and that we should talk about who might be changing it but but also i mean the notion that we're trying to be very transparent and democratic democratic in in a transparent way in other words society is trying to pretend to everybody or present to a notion that we are able to see and understand everything that's going on in a clear way, which is democratically good, but that that is actually possibly not really what's happening. But um, before I go any further, I should say you mentioned Walter Benjamin quite early on and and this thing about mystery, but you're saying... Why, why did you start to use or refer to Benjamin? Because he's obviously a very interesting writer but but you make some equation between him thinking that mystery might be a fascist um notion or sort of some connection between fascism and mystery which i was very interested by because i didn't stri strike me as i mean you, i think actually it's creativity genius eternal value and mystery am i right about that did, did he connect those things with <coughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I, th I think uh, the quote I use is is from uh, is very well known because it, it occurs very early in Benjamin's most famous and most used and most quoted uh, essay, the work of art in the age of mechanical reproduction. And um, sort of working with students in the last few years, we kind of noticed that uh, Benjamin was using this word mystery. Um, and that we might kind of equate it, therefore, with a kind of, uh, a, a, as a kind of antithesis of some sort of transparency um, 
sort of inherent in the democratic uh, project in a way. So maybe the democratic project, um, one of whose kind of manifestations would be, uh, say, comic, uh, communism, you know, an idea that everything, everything uh, should be kind of rationally uh, laid out for the people, um, nothing should be hidden from the people, perhaps, uh, etc. Um, these kind of, uh, you know, the, Bas the Bastille will be overthrown, the, uh, the arcane uh, rituals of the monarchy will be dispensed with, and we'll have a democratic system, which is somehow, from the beginning, uh, innately... Uh, promises to be innately transparent uh, and that's a word that as we know uh, our politicians uh, love to use at the moment so it kind of uh, in a way it rings alarm bells you know why are all, all the politicians <laughs> interested in yeah, they're very keen to tell you so strongly yeah, that they're being transparent they might not actually be really being well so. yeah that might always be the case and I think I think Benjamin was always attuned to the uh, the flip side of things the uh, the um, the ambiguity and contradictions inherent inherent in in things, and so as I say, you could it could ring alarm bells for us today that the word transparency is so visible <laughs> in in political uh, discourse or something. So w w in that little quote from Benjamin, he seems to be I, I say seems to be equating mystery of fascism because uh, Benjamin's writing is a very sophisticated and interleaved and uh, sort of layered a series of meanings. But we kind of we can sort of guess what he, we we can kind of see what he means because uh, the national socialism uh, actually up, uh, promoted itself or, or, or kind of sustained itself uh, as a kind of cult. There is something that, uh, and Benjamin is, is associates what he calls the cult value of art uh, with something anachronistic or, or fascistic, and he wants to trend. Uh, he, he in the in the essay he's famously kind of. Um, trying to push this, this old-fashioned dark art, this cultic kind of approach to art, uh, into the past and promote the new, perhaps more transparent art of, say, photography, uh, cinema, etc., as a kind of de democratic. So response. it's the for was he was it was the form of art that was the cult, as much as much as the, what it was what it was the way it was for only a few. Is that what you mean? Well, in a way, yeah. There's a kind of there's something esoteric about the the valuation of art, which, as we know, sort of persists through modernism as well. You have the kind of the the old joke about you know the artwork that only the experts understand that alienates the the people, etc. There's always kind of complexity. Would that would that be one of the forms of the mystery? Or is that is that not the kind of mystery that you mean? Well, I don't think we... that's the mystery that Benjamin is talking about no. in that uh, particular at that particular point. Um, you, you could extend the argument and, and look at somebody like Clement Greenberg or, uh, as a kind of modernist guru, uh, perhaps you know later, or, or, or sort of promoting um, another kind of cult of understanding of, of modernism or something. I mean, uh, you could even look at the Bauhaus, that sort of wonderfully transparent project. And when the Barbican curated it last year, they made wonderful contribution because they showed in the first rooms of their exhibition, they showed you much more uh, mysterious, uh, sort of dark elements, uh, uh, writhing away elements of uh, hangovers of expressionism and uh, quite spiritual, lots of references to spirits, etc. Uh, hiding in the roots of the, of the Bauhaus, although when you first say the word Bauhaus, you think about this kind of very 
uh, open works, uh, open uh, kind of design aesthetic or something for the people, uh, etc. So, it's, uh, I mean, Benjamin would just be interested in the contradictions and ambiguities there. You know, that, that um, as I said earlier, you know, that, that uh, the moment you strive for total transparency, <laughs> you're bound to be hiding uh, kind of in complex layers or... Of its antithesis, well, because it's an oversimplification. The, the notion of the achievement of transparency. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like I think I think it's what one of the great you know one of the great legacies of Benjamin is that he was alive and thinking at this at this formative moment, the interwar period, where both fascism and communism were trying to sort of prove their their worth. Uh, and yet Benjamin was sceptical about all of these possibly totalitarian ideologies and uh, and if you say if you if you use the word communism today um, you even even its uh, its biggest uh, fans uh, nevertheless can't deny or or, or, or kind of come to it uh, with the with, with all those kind of uh, all that sense of a hidden power that 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 was need that was necessary to maintain a, something like a Soviet state, you know, something like or, or the KGB or the Stasi, that kind of uh, that that strangely uh, massive uh, hidden force that was necessary to maintain what seems to be uh, a new form of sort of transparent democracy for for everybody or something. So, so ben Benjamin was somehow prescient about that. He could see the ambiguities, the underlying problems, the folly and the delusions of all these great ideas in a way. Yeah, blimey. <laughs> but um, you also mentioned Max Weber. Max Weber, yeah. Weber, mm. sorry, beg his pardon. And disenchantment. I mean, what, what was that? What well, you brought? Why you books again? You brought that in quite quite early. Yeah, it's just it's just a one uh, one brief comment. The, 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 in a way, in, in the essay, I'm I'm sort of loading into the essay lots of different examples and opinions around the concept of transparency and 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 mystery, etc. And uh, Weber wrote on. Uh, wrote, uh, I think the Weber Weber just made 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 the point that one of the ways we can understand modernity or ourselves as modern people uh one of the things that defines modernity or modern people is is that a society that has uh, um, um divested itself of mystery in the sense of uh, of a disenchantment uh, that you, you in a way you take the magic away uh to, to in order to become modern you have to dispense with with, with with enchantment with enchantment yeah you have to you have to dispense with enchantment or or we have dispensed with enchantment or the the price of modernity might be to the dispense loss of. yeah something something like that and um uh and you can see that at play in benjamin as well that, that, that there's something about benjamin that even while he's critiquing uh, or criticizing a kind of oratic or cultic art for example um He's he's never going to denounce it outright because he's aware of the mystery inherent in his own methods, for example. You mean his own writing methods? Yeah, I think that Benjamin is sort of still enchanted <laughs> uh, that, that, that he's he's still, uh, even though he's associated with a sort of very rational projects, uh, 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 you know, with Marxist doctrine and things like that. 
that there's uh, that he's as I say he's, 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 he's I mean he's 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 interested in 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 mystery in some way I mean even in his approach to writing you can sort of sense that he's interleaving possibilities and nuances of ideas um, in ways that I think that that, that make them uh, kind of accessible to us or, or not accessible to us but but make them uh, valuable to us today uh, because uh, they don't uh, simplify and, and just rationally lay out uh, a conclusion they they just deliver us with a sort of bundle of thoughts that we can keep unpicking and turning over a bit like the hermeneutic uh, studies of the of the Torah in Jewish tradition or something like that a kind of tradition of of, um, of 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 going to a text not to find its meaning and, and clarify that but to actually just to go to a text and enjoy the experience or, or benefit from the experience of turning it over again and again and again without ever finding the the if you like the clear and transparent <laughs> meaning of it. No, I mean n not to, to. You mentioned Benjamin earlier before the program about you know writing a book and then it wasn't that he was trying to. Well, you said he wanted to always have written a a, a book that was made of fragments. Yeah. Didn't didn't you? Rather than rather than one where it had a grand conclusion and a full stop, and then you could say I have packaged up my understanding of the world. There it is, in in a way that's. Sort of closed down. It's the clo it's, it's open. I mean, he may have done what I said, but yeah. he's done it in an open way. Is I, that? I mean, I, I, th I think Benjamin, Benjamin seemed, seemed to have, you know, he has, seemed to have academic aspirations, but had an uncomfortable relationship with, with academia. He seemed to thrive better in dialogue with new technologies. So he seems you know, he works a lot for for newspapers and the, even the he has a sort of relationship with, with, with radio, I think, uh, and uh, and uh, so the uh, fragment. I think for Benjamin, the fragment, which you can uh, tie back to romanticism, you can—it's like a sort of hangover in in modern uh, thinking and modern aesthetics. The the idea of the fragment sort of persists, and it's quite current today, actually. Uh, you know, the Whitechapel published a book called uh, Ruins uh, last year, which collected together all the current current writing on on, on ruins. So you see this kind of this, this romantic. Uh, uh, idea of, of fragment, of fragmentary uh, formlessness in a way um, persists in Benjamin's writing, and, and I think that it persists as a kind of. Uh, I mean, going back to the earlier conversation, you could say that the fragment uh, operates as a kind of anti-totalitarian mechanism, <laughs> uh, if you see what I mean. Uh, something that's, that that can't be total, the, or, 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 or something that that, that that totalitarianism in any sense is somehow dangerous to believe that you know something completely or you are something completely. Uh, maybe the fragment is valuable I in that sense that that uh, we should always remember that if we if there is something like a, a truth, <laughs> um, maybe it will only be a temporary. Uh, Organization of, of, of fragments, uh, ideas, words in a sentence. Uh, at, a at a particular time, do you think, or a particular context? It was a bit like because when you say you can go back to Benjamin and reread again, and you'll see something different, or you might, as you, I think, you know, you might read Kafka or some some of, some of these writers. You know, where, you, where you, every time you read it, it isn't you're different. 
the time you're reading it's different, and yet the text still somehow s- you can find new meaning mm. or it's relevant still, yeah. even though you know it's not a book you read. I've read that like maybe a John Le Carre. I've read it. I put it down because yeah, I mean, I've got it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a joke to say you know every time you take your books back down on the shelf, it seems like the words have been sort of having a party and danced around and found a new form. But we all experience that, and it's as you say, it's probably because we've changed uh, the world has changed the context has changed and so the the words take on a new form the, the important thing is whether you acknowledge that uh, maybe in your writing and thinking or if you actually are do believe that you're you're carving something in stone that's going to be fixed a fixed meaning forever they're just different approaches to writing and creating in a way uh, maybe you should write and create in a way that it's kind of strange it's kind of strange, uh, uh, mysterious uh, uh, process in a way. But but can you? But, but but maybe somebody like Benjamin is aware that to write or to create is to produce uh, something of uncertain value. You're actually producing uh, something um, which is contingent upon different readers, different times, etc. Uh, and maybe that is the timeless writing, not the writing that that, that strives to. Uh, fix its meaning meaning forever, if you see what I mean. Which is funny because when you think of art, the process of creating some sort of object in art, stone carving, say, <laughs> would would appear to be the the permanent, <laughs> likely to last thing. But it might, but to make something that in that form that, that actually is is open and fragmented is is almost a contradiction. I don't know. I mean, you did. There, there is this interview in the magazine, mm. same issue with, with um, Dan Dan Vo mm. about a fractured monument. Is that right? Just to bring it in yeah, a little bit, because as an example, yeah. would it would it but would it fit here? I don't know. It's a very beautiful uh, interview with uh, D- Dan Vo. I'm not sure about the pronunciation. It's a Danish, yeah, I'm sorry. I may be saying it wrong. It's a, it's a Danish name, but but maybe. It has some Vietnamese uh, reference as well because the artist is is sort of Vietnamese born. I think I'm raised in in Denmark. Sorry if I've got that wrong. But uh, interviewed by Jennifer Thatcher uh, and showing it at the moment in in London. Uh, yes, at Peer Peer Gallery, I think. At Peer and at David Roberts uh, Foundation. Oh I yes, think. as well. Yeah. Uh, um, and in this uh, kind of quite amazing practice. Uh, Dan Vo responded to an enormous, absolutely enormous space that she was offered um, um, by um, producing a uh, a real size uh, Statue of Liberty, um, but made in fragments by sort of Chinese uh, fabricators. Um, uh, and uh, the object uh, is always kept in fragments. It, you know, you can never see it assembled. And sometimes there are different fragments all over the world. There's, there's over two hundred pieces of it. And uh, um, I found that uh, very uh, sort of inspiring to 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 read that interview with the artist and their approach to practice and their their method and this in a way this beguiling object <laughs> that's now in the world is not the statue of liberty but uh, a strange fragmented uh, version of it um, which is also kind of related to, i mean there's a subtle relationship between uh, the artist vietnamese heritage and the sign of american well, it's a relationship power. to america must be quite um, yeah it's a subtle it's a, she, the artist subtly alludes to that without getting in too deep but uh, I think in the inter- interview they also mentioned the fact that the Statue of Liberty was 
closed for a long time after 9-11, that the Americans were very afraid that that would become uh, another victim of terrorism. Uh, and it was very, you know, kind of uh, symbolically <laughs> crucial that it didn't. Um, and... Uh, yeah, sorry. But no, but no. Just I brought it up partly because I was. I mean, this thing about I'm very. I am interested in the notion of r- romanticism, which I'm not actually sure if you use that word in your in your piece. It's a dirty word, isn't it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, no. But it's very interesting because because I do this thing of mystery. I, I wanted to try and get you to just. Exp- I mean, I know you have been, but to expand on on in terms of for people who are making artwork, we you know. To be a, a romanticist, romanticist, or a, or a, or to to be myster, mysterious in your art production, mm. if that's the right. I mean, I, the word production doesn't seem even right equated with 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 it, really. But but is that 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 seems very very um, different way of of or terms that we, as you said, a dirty word at this point mm. in twenty thirteen. But but then you, there is perhaps it's not because perhaps. Perhaps there is this desire for that because it's got it's not allowed in a way. There's mm. like where like you said, for instance, you mentioned nine eleven. So there we have an awful lot of, of emotions, yep. and yeah. that will have been stirred up. And then, as you mentioned before the program, you said, well, actually, you know, where does that where does that go? Where does that energy or that emotional mm. emotion that's created by an event like that? Where does it go? And then, and if if the work if in this transparent, clear, mm. I, I mean, it's a difficult yeah, equation, that's, that's but, but where's the room yeah. for it? Is that is that what you're saying in a way? Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's very interesting. In a way, when you when you use the word transparent, <clears throat> there you're kind of, I mean, in a way, you're associating transparency with 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 feeling and uh, or trying to work out what the relationship between transparency and feeling yeah, is Yeah, because I, mean, I wasn't thinking there necessarily was one. Yeah. It was, I was thinking, actually, if it's so clear, yeah. then it doesn't allow room for, for, for things which are hard to describe, for instance. That's, I think that's very, and that's very important area to try to work out. I mean, there's, a, there's an awful lot there, but I just wanted to start off with that idea of relating transparency to feeling. And the way I respond to that is to think of, um, in a way that the feelings are, feelings are difficult to express. Feelings are mercurial and uh, formless. Uh, you know, you, you sometimes go to the doctor and he says, where does it hurt? And you point to your tummy and then say, what kind of pain is it? <laughs> and then you're just completely flummoxed then, because uh, it's quite hard to describe feelings. Yeah, you know, um, uh, Deleuze, uh, uh, Deleuze and Guattari are partly responsible for for reintroducing the concept of affect into art theory, uh, and and uh, maybe still it hasn't uh, maybe maybe still it hasn't really sort of taken hold. But the, but but there's a kind of a quite an irrational um, way of understanding art emerges once you start bringing back a language of affect, uh, physical responses. To uh, to works almost physical responses to to physical responses. This kind of strange sort of affectual dialogue that Deleuze and Guattari seem to uh, have promoted. Um, but uh, what I was trying to say was that was that in your in what you said, the the idea of transparency becomes a feeling lessness. There's a there's a kind of sense that that to be transparent 
uh, or one of these politicians who loves to use the word transparent. There's a sense in which uh, there's nothing hidden, there's nothing difficult, there's nothing complex. Uh, everything is clear. What were the, the transparent attributes of democracy? Yeah, there's a, there's a kind of aspiration. Yeah, there's there's a kind of myth, or <laughs> there's a, there's a kind of delusion or a myth, perhaps that uh, that that we are being we are living in something transparent and democrat democratic. We are participating in something transparent and de democratic. Um, that these kind of the, these complexities are are not being uh are not there or they're not being represented uh these the, the, these complexities and yet as as we just said going working from Dan Vo's piece uh about the statue of liberty um we've just lived through an absolutely appalling uh part of human history um you know dominated not just by inhumane terrorist uh attacks but uh the what the so-called war on terror, uh, Guantanamo Bay, uh, Abu, reaction back, as it were. Yeah, Abu Ghraib, etc., which are, uh, in, uh, in a way, or can be interpreted as in incredibly irrational uh, acts or reactions of a supposedly uh, rational and democratic um, institution, which is the you know the state or the United States, you know, or the United States and Britain. Uh, you know these kind of democratic. Uh, you, you, you see what I mean? I mean, uh, their responses to 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 nine eleven were monstrous. You know, have been monstrous as, and uh, a kind of an uncontrollable rage, actually. So, so you have this um, this this incredible demonstration of uh, of complex uh, feeling and affect, uh, and yet. Um, if you look around at the art of that period, <laughs> you might not find very much feeling and complexity, or as much feeling and complexity represented or demonstrated as you would think. And that, uh, sorry to make things a bit complicated, but, but that's uh, really the feature of the third essay in this, <laughs> this month's Art Monthly uh, by Francis Frasina where he makes a very brilliant uh, a kind of um, uh, assessment or evaluation of the MoMA's uh, uh, exhibition of, of one of the versions of Munch's Scream. So, so uh, the, this, the, the Scream painting starts to be equated with the, the true terror of, uh, of the last 20 years. And, and uh, he talks about the... The way that this this uh, this this image of scream is uh, replaces a very rational, a relatively rational sort of uh, painting by Cezanne, I think, in the MoMA collection. Which you mean the timing of its of its appearance? Yeah, it's a very clever essay. It talks about the kind of this sort of we we associate with Cezanne with a certain rationalism in a way, a sort of kind of analytic response to 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 modern painting. Um, and uh, it talks about recently this uh, monk, uh, a pastel version of the monk scream, uh, taking that place in the collection. Uh, and then the uh, Francis Fraschina makes this very clever uh, dialogue between that imagery, the war on terror, terror and screaming. Um, and in a way, in that essay as well, there's a kind of a subtle call to uh, for artists to represent feelings again. So. 
and in a way this late what, what I think of as a sort of latent romanticism or or some kind of take on romanticism is hovering in the in the wings as you like uh, if you like of our quite rational and ironic uh, art world yeah because you mentioned the enlightenment as well um, a, a little bit but uh, but just but romantic in the, the I, this word rom- that romanticism i mean it's something that it's a word which, as you said, it's a dirty word, and it is interesting to me that that, that well, it is. I mean, if people, well, we if someone said, oh, "I'm a romantic painter," it, you know, it would have it, it would be it's used quite derogatory. You know, yeah, it would be. People we, say, oh, you're be, being romantic. You know, yes. you know, oh, you're being. It's quite sort of derogatory because we should occupy. We 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 believe or we're led to believe we should occupy a kind of a a kind of transparent, kind of ironic. Yeah, because um, the ir- irony was is the, was the thing that possibly was what mm. people would choose instead of it, um, and think that that was you know if you wanted to say something against something you didn't feel comfortable about, you didn't like it, you'd be ironic about it, but you wouldn't. It seems be passionate about it. Yeah, you, yeah you, but you, now you, it seems yeah. like you're suggesting there may be a, 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 a push, not a push, but a kind of a move. People are maybe moving away from irony yes. to something else. I mean, I've been talking about romanticism with my students a lot this term and trying to work out if there's some kind of dialogue between romanticism is it a vehicle is it is it something we can we can look at again at least as a kind of corollary or something to to this rather sort of rational and ironic and highly technologized uh, way of life um that we all uh, seem to be leading um i think uh, i think i I, th- I think irony i mean i think it's difficult for me to really uh, clarify my use of romanticism and at the moment I'm just using it as a slightly provocative sort of a dirty word sort of sort of provocative tool to try to just open something up that otherwise seems a bit one-dimensional to me uh, and the other thing I wanted to quickly say there was that it seems to me that just as politicians uh, like to spout the word transparency at the moment while nevertheless uh, you know, driving our societies into more kind of uh, right-wing regimes, really. Um, the use of irony uh, seems also, I mean, possibly to me to be, can be a kind of vehicle of repression, in a way, or I'm not sure about oppression, but, but uh, uh, or, or maybe a vehicle of oppression. Um, the, the irony sort of uh, represses... Um, otherwise controversial or passionate or awkward or difficult or complex feelings. Uh, We can sort of smooth all that out with irony. Uh, But if that is the case, then in a way irony is uh, serving this kind of uh, imposition of of power in some way, if you see what I mean, because it's it's a way of diverting our complex responses, diverting our deeper feelings. Um, etc. And just to finish, that that, that uh, I mean, romanticism is a very complex, uh, multi-dimensional, uh, many fa- multifaceted uh, phenomenon, and, and and we can't simplify it. But uh, but sometimes, uh, but, but, but 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 we might think of one of the attributes of, of romanticism as being something to do with passion, uh, as a kind of anathema to irony. I think there is an ironic element in there are there are ironic elements in in romanticism once you start digging around in there. But uh, but in a way, it's interesting to think about that 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 distinction. That uh, let me I mean I just say that, that you know modern democracy seems to have been born through revolution, uh, fueled by 
a certain kind of romantic passion that people felt that they could transform the world, uh, etc. And compared to that, our current condition of sort of ironic, rational, so-called transparent democracy seems a rather soulless uh, place, uh, lacking in possibilities. <laughs> but, but when you say, I mean, that, when, when you look at Egypt and Syria and places like that, there where where revolution is supposed to have occurred, is that? Um, I'm just thinking of. When you're talking about you know this area you just mentioned now, mm, mm. You know, that's quite a specific place. I mean, it seems almost as if that that geographic area that you ref- I mean you referred to, you know, where where I'm not saying you're saying it's geographic, but I mean, can that be applied to to, to the current situation in Egypt, where people have tried to have a revolution, well, and it's been suppressed? But is that you know they really did get passionate, and, and, well, that's, and that's now, and... and well, I, I, I mean, I, I, think that, uh, I think that maybe you would say that we're... What's happened in, in the so-called Arab Spring or in mm. North African states, um, I compare it with what's happened to people like uh, Edward Snowden or, or Chelsea Manning... Um, Pussy Riot, um, Julian Assange, I sort of mentioned those in the essay, because you can see, in a way, all those phenomena are um, are kind of uh, sticking their neck out, (laughs) going out on a limb, passionately believing in something like... I mean, in a way, Julian Assange, etc. He's into transparency, isn't he? Well, in a way, yeah. They, they stuck. In a way, they believed. <laughs> they believed that this was the moment of transparency, and so we were as, trans- as transparent as possible. And uh, and they've ended. All, they've all ended up in various kinds of prison. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're all the pussy. You know, pussy riots are in the gulag or freezing to death in Siberia or something. Julian Assange is stuck in an embassy. Um, in a way, this revolutionary moment, this passionate, this this kind of uh, this, this this kind of grasping for a passionate moment, has been uh, sort of f- frozen. It, it's been set. It's, it's sort of set in. Uh, it's been sort of iced up. And 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 you can see the Arab Spring uh, is in a similar condition. It seems to be sort of convulsing, in, in, in at the kind of limits of uh, of possibility today. Uh, if you see what I mean, I think in all those examples you can see um, a great enthusiasm for new possibilities, significantly led by technology. That Facebook was very important in the Arab Spring, and and Blackberries and Twitter, or you know the, these vehicles have been very important to this 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 uh, sense of new possibility. So the new the new possibility is around us and within us, uh, and people feel passionately about it. And yet, at the same time, that whole mass of global energy <laughs> is being is somehow also being contained uh, and thwarted uh, by by some other force um, that can't let it happen. And its only response is actually uh, severe repression, and that that seems to be the condition we're in at the moment. Um, so there is a kind of heroism and passion, which you could call romantic, in the air, if you like. Uh, and at the same time, there is this uh, uh, this kind of counter-revolutionary, reactionary um, force, this sort of stultifying force. 
but nevertheless there's something sort of hopeful in in that because you can't see that force somehow that force is is driven to is driven to extremes in a way to contain something that potentially ungovernable that's that's the that that's what technology is technology has brought something potentially ungovernable into into play and it's probably not dissimilar to other moments in in history maybe when benjamin was writing or in france in in 1780s something sort of ungovernable starts to happen and uh, there's a reaction to that but then w- w- with the technology at one point you do actually quote i, I can't find it in a second but the facebook quote about just sitting in front of a, a lump of plastic but ba- basically yeah, i mean can we completely proclaim that the will of the people is the rule of the people by the people while we enthusiastically give our time and agency over to commodified wizardry whose complex algorithms keep us sitting in a room by ourselves staring at a chunk of plastic as a recent Facebook post confessed. Yeah. Thanks, you Yeah, I felt we, guilty. We, I didn't, um, we had I didn't reference the person who actually posted that. Well, I'm sure in, in the essay, I should, should have, because it's a lovely way of summing up something. Um, sorry, can you repeat the question? Well, no, I mean, it was, it was, it was just that, you know, if technology, if technology in, in what you were saying, technology was being, you were using it, I thought, as as a kind of, you know, it's running, it's 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 causing and assisting revolutions. It's hard for the, for the state to, to, it's it's got its own <laughs> life and it, it runs away with. It. But at the same time, yeah. Another part, and they say, you, as as yeah. as was quite reasonable. You, you were saying actually, it, it it's a whole non-revolution in a way because you're sitting on your ass in front of a computer Absolutely. or you're just talking to Facebook people and tweeting and, and liking things but you don't know yeah. what you're liking or where it's really going yeah, yeah, that's it's, a, it's a kind of not physical revolution at some point that's the contradiction although lots of people died so I mean yeah that's I mean that's the contradiction that we uh, I think people are living with yeah, yeah I mean you can Facebook your uh, your um, your revolutionary thoughts and find that they're responded to by some algorithm that tr- tries to sell you a Hoover or something, or, or or tries to sell you the latest book on revolution through Amazon, who are sort yes. of et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So so we're we're aware of that irony, but uh, and, and that contradiction. But people um, are are becoming very aware of that. Aren't they? I mean, that's one thing. One one thing you could say about technology is it is it that that you know the the more people are becoming how to play with it more and and make it more um and use itself back on itself and we that was the last program i uh, we i did mm. with people talking about that kind of artist trying to tournament yes yes trying to 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 bounce it back at itself and 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 that that seemed hopeful in the in a in a sense yeah i mean i mean my essay finishes with examples uh of um of the first uh, Japanese teenagers uh, to kind of develop a whole new technologized subjectivity through the internet, uh, the first otaku, um, sort of housebound, homebound, deskbound uh, teenagers. Sometimes they used to seal up their their windows and have no dialogue with their families because they wanted to think of themselves as totally technologized, uh, sort of unnatural people. Um, um, I, I've always been interested in those as a kind of uh, a kind of avant-garde uh, people, sort of intuitively responding to the technology and finding, in a way, finding liberties, finding freedoms 
uh, that didn't exist before through the technology, you know, uh, becoming an avatar, etc., etc. Then I also mention um, the terrorists uh, described the early terror. I don't know if I can call them early terrorists, but uh, the seventies terrorists um, described by Johan Grimond Press in, in in his Dial History film. Um, because that film is a wonderful essay, uh, I think, about uh, the failure of art, the failure of artists to respond to a changing world. And I think Grimond Perez is, is saying that uh, the terrorists, uh, uh, like the teenagers in Japan, that you know the, these untrained, uh, these these, these non-artists, in a way, um, fulfilled the functions of art that that artists weren't fulfilling in a way by, for example, hijacking the uh, the system of representation and using it for their own ends, if you see what I mean. Um, artists sort of fell behind in the age of television, in the age of inter intercontinental flight, etc. And uh, terrorists saw that saw those things as possibilities that artists didn't uh, actually acknowledge. And and as I say, I think teenage teenagers in Japan saw the possibilities of the technet te of the of the internet very quickly and creatively. Um, and the other people I mentioned in the essay are uh, um, hip hop uh, graffiti artists. Uh, not just graffiti artists, DJs as well. Uh, people who who take current technology and turn it to their own ends to make a vehicle for their message. Uh, people who are really disempowered. I mean, I mean, I mean, kids in the Bronx in the in the seventies uh, are you know, <laughs> I mean, they're living a kind of third world existence in 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 uh, stones throw from from a man from 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 Third Avenue or something. I mean, and yet they're. Um, they, you know, they responded by taking something like a, a record player <laughs> and finding a completely different way to use it, or a simple drum machine that's that's designed to keep time and 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 kind of reaffirming its aesthetic, uh, finding a different way to use it. Or the graffiti artists uh, uh, would sort of stay up all night, sort of uh, so-called bombing the trains, uh, covering the trains in their their own messages and exclamations, and in uh, in the morning those trains would go up into into Manhattan and the sort of bourgeoisie would be <laughs> confronted with the, the messages from the subculture. And uh, I was interested anyway in, in those three examples, the terrorists, the hip hoppers and the, the, teen, the, the Japanese otaku as all non-artists, if, 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 if you like, you know, sort of not trained artists in any way, um, but all incredibly inventive uh, people using current technologies um, to to find vehicles for messages, and uh, and communicating, you know, communicating across uh, across a sort of a uh, an otherwise um, impregnable sort of boundary or something. Yeah, because I mean, communicating, but not necessarily, or changing their own lives, maybe. But in in terms of. <laughs> Like well, no, I think they change. I think they change other. They change, change yes, they wake people up to the other. In, if you like, they're, right? They're okay, they're, they're sort of waking. They're, they're, they're showing what's not being shown. They're, they're insisting on being heard, insisting on being seen, uh, in a mode that doesn't represent them. I mean, the, 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 I'm sure the Japanese teenager feels in some way sort of uh, unrepresenting, sort of bursting with life, uh, mm. uh, but with no sort of. Uh, with no, no no sort of stage on which to act, and yet, and so they find a way. So uh, I think I was interested in, in all of those uh, all the, all of those um, responses. Um, I mean, really, we should sort of flip back to where we were talking about this sort of this, this sort of difficult or contra contradictory state of 
people believing they have access to modes of representation through things like Facebook and Twitter, etc. And yet, a bit like you know Julian Assange being sort of frozen in aspic in the in the embassy, there's some sense in which all these sort of kind of what seem like revolutionary uh, possibilities, what seems like a kind of transparent representation, we can all speak, we can all be heard. Um, there's a sense in which it's not effective, or we've you know as Edward Snowden revealed all the uh, all the what the government are spying on the companies who know everything about us. <laughs> uh, and that, that, that data pool is often for sale as well. It's you know, very lucrative, uh, as we've seen you when know, sort of Google get floated on the stock exchange, etc. You see the kind of lucrative element of it all. So, um, so I suppose, in, in a way, you know, I acknowledge that, 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 that contradiction, uh, that, that problem. And in a way, I look back to, uh, to, to the past you know, slightly, to, to the very early use of the internet and, and to these hip-hoppers and uh, 70s terrorists, etc. Uh, to maybe times when, uh, I don't know, maybe people did use these technologies more effectively. Uh, whereas at the moment we're we're not sure if we we can we can be effective with them. Well, no, we're not sure if they're. La- I mean, they and they are sophisticated beyond belief. So they're they're harder to. They're not so simple. So they're much harder to actually undermine in a in a re- in a big way. I mean, you can't. You know, you are just tapping at the sides or something. Or, I yeah, mean, I, but well, I, well, I was, well, things have changed in the last few years because, as I say, the Arab Spring did feel there was a moment around 2011 or something when. We have, we have there were riots in in London. There were there were demonstrations all around the world. The Arab Spring was was gathering momentum, and everybody knew that all of those activities were connected to Blackberries, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, etc. Yeah, so, so we were using technology to make those things happen. There was a clear uh, feeling and understanding all around the world that these technologies and these uh, were, were were having a revolutionary. Um, uh, had a, uh, having revolutionary effects, and uh, and uh, I think that that was clamped down on. I think that that was uh, yeah. understood, and uh, I don't know quite how how, but somehow those things were tweaked and changed so that they no longer became so so effective. No, it just it, what seems a shame to me is that, that 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 when when the technological example comes up that's really effective, there's an element of. It, it's quite extreme. The result, like you know, you get a lot of violence happening when mm. you, and you've got your bombers bombing things, and it's where where the struggle seems to be. Having talked to a few people who use technology as artists, that that it's it's the the middle ground, which is non-violent and but are dealing with with technology mm. or trying to deal with it is is very like you're picking at the. At it very slightly. It's, it's what it seems. It seems very hard to actually beat it in a way. But I, 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 I've been questioning it constantly. Is obviously important. But yeah, I mean, I mean, one way of thinking about it is in terms of uh, revolutionary and the evolutionary procedures. I suppose uh, you know, uh, you could say that. Uh, I mean, you could go back to the other example and say that graffiti artists bombing trains didn't. You know, didn't change anything, but I think I think they I think they do. I think that uh, yeah. I think that 
uh, you know, times move on and 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 uh, we have a different understanding of say black American culture now than we did in the seventies. I mean, uh, those so it did have an effect. Yeah, hip hop yeah, so yeah. it's more hip hop so it's more than rock and rock and roll <laughs> uh, or rock music. Uh, rock music was a massive industry worldwide, and now hip hop so it's more than than rock music. So you can see that there's there's kind of there's transformations uh, do take place uh, through. What start off as illegal uh, and radical and unprecedented uh, practices, if I can call them that, um, um, transgressive, uh, even you know, sort of troubling and maybe even violent uh, practices in a way, but um, but they somehow, in the long term, do participate in 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 democratic uh, change or. In, in the evolution of democracy, and and something else we should have probably mentioned earlier on was that you know, the democracy is probably something we should we should always when we use the word democracy we should never think of it as a we should never think of it as a thing, but as a as a project as a, as a as a as an unknown, as a promise, uh, as um, uh, yeah something that uh, we are responsible for evolving, which is why. At the moment, I, you know, feel kind of worried about uh, such unrepresentative figures as our deputy prime minister, whose name I can't even mention, uh, <laughs> using the word transparency, uh, you know, regularly. Um, at, at the same time, as actually, in his own manifestation, being totally unrepresentative of uh, of the people he's talking to. Do you see what I mean? So in a way, he is standing in the place of democracy, representing democracy as a transparent politician, etc. Uh, and we can't uh, leave it to people like that. Um, you know, we need to find our own strategies to evolve democracy. We need to find our own strategies to, or even replace democracy. I mean, I said in the in the essay that democracy is a word that uh, well, democracy is a word that we're using too much as well. You know, it's kind of quite worrying when you use a word so much it starts to become meaningless. And uh, I said I mentioned in the essay that uh, you know democracy might be an image that we've finally seen through. It's worn out, and we see we we can see 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 through it. I mean that 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 sentence is an image as well. But 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 what I mean is that uh, in somehow we're responsible for evolving democracy um, as creative people, as thinking people, as moral uh, subjects. Um, and at some points we might be responsible for replacing democracy because maybe this moment of um, if you say the, the Arab springs uh, have the Arab spring has, has kind of resulted in 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 terrible convulsions uh, a kind of uh, almost like a kind of stillborn stillborn democracy if I can use that phrase it's a bit of an ugly phrase but but there's a sense of something that can't quite be born uh, which is a horrific state it's, it's even you know it's, it's a horrific condition to be Sort of unborn or half-born or something, and uh, if if you can say that about uh, the whistleblowers in prison uh, around the world, um, you, and what I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make is maybe that is a failure of democracy. Maybe maybe that means democracy does doesn't <laughs> doesn't work. Maybe maybe you need another kind of uh, another kind of rule or something, another kind of. Uh, System, but I, you know, that, I does think that, that does, just because we're getting near, very near the end of the program. But <laughs> do, just does that wear this feeling that you, which you mentioned before about about a, possibly a, a movement towards an, 
whether it be romanticism or, or mm. romantic or mystic or to do with emotions, that turning away, do you, you're sensing in, in art mm. possibly a move towards uh. that. And do you think that that, that is a, mm. play, a way in which maybe a new thing would would come out? Well, I, I mean, I, I mean, I certainly, so I certainly feel in my in, in my own personal life a, no, a feeling that lots of people are very involved with with nature and 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 trying to you know there are lots of people trying to live in different ways, alternative ways to the big corporate way of life. So that's mm. a way in which in the past, you know, that was romanticism was looking trying to hang on to nature and pre-industrialism and mm. all those things, wasn't it? I mean, that that. I mean, uh, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to clarify that before we, we end this recording. Yeah. I suppose, uh, as I say, I, I think I'm I think I'm using the word romanticism as a, at the moment with students, etc., in, in, and in discussions about art, uh, slightly provocatively, a bit like taking yeah, a dirty yeah. word. I'm quite interested in what a dirty word is actually. I have to think about that for longer. But but um, but uh, I, I'm using it as a bit of a tool, a tool, uh, uh, and using it a bit provocatively just to. Just to try to find a kind of uh, a position or a place just outside of the of the, the sort of rational, supposedly transparently d democratic um, kind of bubble or delusion that we might be we living in. Um, um, I think that uh, it, I, I think it's probably the wrong term, but it's just a tool that that might might help us open up debates yeah. and get us on to another place. Because it is another, it's another, it is another ideology in a way, isn't it? Roman it, it which, which maybe that's, yeah. maybe that's I mean, the problem. I mean, I mean I, again, I don't think of romanticism as a thing, uh, but as a kind of a force or an energy, or even a, even just a concept, you know, something that if I say romanticism to you, I say, so, so, so it's We have an idea of what you mean. Yeah, it, it's kind yeah. of helpful. We can use it as, 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 a, as, a, as a tool like that. Um, uh, I saw John Raffman talking at the ICA uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he's he's one of the sort of hottest names, I suppose, in in, in so-called post-internet art or technologized art, etc. And I was really amazed that he coincidentally used the the idea of being romanticist and romantic. He even referenced uh, Wordsworth in his uh, in his spiel, etc. Uh, and so I'm interested in lots of uh, different kinds of romanticism. We've looked at an artist here today in in the Art Monthly, Dan Dan Vo. Who's, who's using a frag fragmentary or ruin uh, kind of aesthetic or, or, or approach to art? So, so on one hand, I'm saying that once you just use, once you bring the the, the idea of romanticism into play, it, it it illuminates little kind of references here and there that you didn't know were there, which is interesting. So you can find little attributes of romanticism around. Um, why that is, I'm not sure. But uh, I'm reminded of something that, that, that Leotard wrote in The Postmodern Condition, where he said that, he, I always thought it was a very lovely phrase, that he said something that, like, uh, um, a postmodernism always precedes a modernism. So, 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 so there's a sense, I think of romanticism maybe like that, that, that when you need, maybe it's just when you need to move to another place, you need a little period of romanticism uh, to sort of explode, some, allow some passions to grow, to, to allow something irrational and mysterious um, to, to emerge. And in that kind of temporary romantic state, you might uh, give birth to the, to the future or something like that. Uh, so, 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 I'd rather think of it like that than, than as an ideology or, or something yeah, enduring. You're saying it's a tool. Yeah, a, a, a kind of a, a effervescent force. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, as an effervescent force yourself, Paul, <laughs> thank you ever so much for coming on the programme. I really appreciate you. You know, it's difficult to try and capture a whole feature, which also... Well, three features. Yeah, and then add two more as well. Yes, <laughs> well done. But, I mean, hopefully, listeners, you'll want to read these three pieces in the uh, December-January issue of Art Monthly. And um, you can do that, obviously, very easily. And you can also do it more easily by subscribing to Art Monthly, which you can do for mere £29 currently. It's a direct debit offer we have on our website, www.artmonthly.co.uk, and we hope you'll do it. Um, you get 10 issues per year. But once again, thanks, Paul Thank you, O'Kane, yeah. for coming in and talking to me, Matt Hale, saying goodbye to you now. Till next time, goodbye. <laughs>